Welcome to Yolitix, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey there, uh, Wiley and Wheeler with you with an extra episode this week. and It's uh, a sequel too. It is a sequel. And if anyone needs uh, a pint right now, I think it's probably Wheeler who's sitting at the house and who could go to the fridge now and get one. Yes, I'm in a uh, I'm I'm in a long sleeve shirt, but I've got shorts on already. You're still in the office, I see. Uh, we're on a Zoom call here. You're in a full suit. I, I must say that I like the I like things better where I am. And, and we we've tried to put this podcast together a few times here in, in the past few hours, but Wheeler keeps forgetting to hit the record button on his end. So here we are. Hopefully, we're recording. Are you rolling on I your am, end? Wheeler? I am. I am rolling and recording here, right. and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll, you, you'll get the best of it this time. It's the third <laughs> time we've tried this. This will be the charm. We, we uh, figured it out, and it's and, and it's a really interesting topic. And I feel like we keep having really interesting discussions about this, and then none of it got recorded. All right. So uh, you know, earlier this week we did a podcast on a school district in North Texas uh, that reviewed forty-one library books. Parents complained mm-hmm. about it. These are books ranging from an Anne Frank book to the Bible. So mm-hmm. that made national news. We, uh, we reported on that. Well, on Monday night, Keller ISD, that very school district, had a board meeting, and it laid out a brand new plan on how it is going to decide which books to select for the library. Well, just east of there is Grapevine Colleyville ISD, and Grapevine Colleyville went a few steps further than that. Grapevine Colleyville said, hey, let the board the board, this is what the board was saying, let us have a say in helping to select what library books go into the library shelves. Let mm-hmm. us also tell teachers not to, uh, you, know, you know, to limit their discussions on how they talk about race and gender and sexual equality, among other things. Mm-hmm. Lots of coverage on that in North Texas, in Texas, and even the nation, Jason. Yeah, these boards, too, we should point out, you know, as we talked about in the last uh, podcast episode, These boards uh, have some new members on them. They've been reconstituted. Uh, There are different majorities now. uh, And uh, a number of these new members uh, have been, you know, helped uh, to be put in place by a uh, conservative uh, political action committee, a conservative PAC here in Texas uh, that has been funding some of them. uh, And they have had an extraordinary track record. They say 11 out of 11 candidates that they've supported have won. Uh, and you know these are you know school board, school board races, which are usually kind of sleepy and don't you know bring in a lot of money to run a campaign, and where not a lot of people cast votes. Maybe you never make it down to that part of the ballot. Even if you do, you'll notice sometimes that these are these are not uh, you know names that have an R or a D next to them. So maybe you're not even familiar with these names, but you look at one of them and go, yeah, I've seen more signs for that one, so I'm gonna you know hit that one right there. Uh, well, you know, it pays to have some backing to be able to put those signs out. Uh, but the it, it's really changing the complexion of how school boards are comprised. And this p- political action committee wants to ramp this thing up and, and, and take it on the road, as it were. Uh, and Jason, right now, there doesn't appear to be any liberal uh, response to this from like a liberal pack. And so you're seeing some some real changes happening at school boards. Yeah, and this pack is Patriot Mobile Action Fund, I believe is the name of that pack. You, you've done a little more research uh, on mm-hmm. them, but I've, I've seen the headlines there regardless. So up until this point, the national news I was talking about, the, the statewide news, the local news has all been with people complaining about these different policies that are were, were being discussed and got approved on Monday night. So for the first time, though, in this podcast, we're going to hear two people that have never spoken to reporters before mm-hmm. about any of this. The first is Dr. Charles Rancleve. He is the board president at Keller ISD, and he revealed a number of new things to us about which library books are going back on the shelves, and not all of them are going to meet the new mark for what it takes to stay on the shelf in Keller ISD. But let's start with Shannon Braun. She is the vice president at Grapevine Colleyville ISD. Almost 200 people on Monday Mm -hmm. night, Jason, showed up to speak out for and against, a majority against the policy of limiting. Wait, so explain 200, though. What is that, you know, historically speaking there? Yeah, well, that's, that's a good point also. Several people on the board made a point that, that up until that point, up until Monday night, the most people who ever came out to speak on anything was 67, I believe, or 68 mm-hmm. people. And now all of a sudden they have 200 people. They had so many folks. They had to limit everybody to 60 seconds. So and this is exploding then. It, 
Which makes me wonder, Jason, does that also, will we see an explosion of the number of people who start to get really involved with schools, like parents, like voters? Uh, Will we start seeing explosions in these little races that usually have these really kind of depressing tallies when you get to the end of it uh, as to how many people voted and were able to, you know, constitute a board there? Are we going to see those numbers explode as we go through time? You know, for Keller ISD and for Grapevine Colleyville, back to like the Patriot Mobile Action Fund, you've had conservatives concentrate on both of these school boards and get conservatives elected to, to a majority of positions there. These new policies passed in Keller and Grapevine ISD, uh, Colleyville Grapevine, or Grapevine Colleyville rather, with four to three majorities. They were narrow votes, but mm-hmm. still elections have consequences that we talked about. So mm-hmm. getting to Shannon Braun, the vice president at Grapevine Colleyville ISD, This is her first ever interview with a journalist, and she sat down with us for almost a half hour, taking a number of questions, sensitive topics, and here's what she had to say. Shannon, thank you for the time. We appreciate that. Thanks Um, for having me. After these policies pass, what is physically going to change at GCISD schools? Well, I mean, what we just did last night is amazing because uh, we literally just gave the keys of the building back to the parents. And nothing's really going to change in the sense that a lot of the things in terms of some of the policies that maybe how we operated, we just put down on paper, like the gender fluidity stuff, for example, those weren't in actual policy, but we put them down on paper so that people know what to do, how to handle you know, bathroom situations, how to handle, uh, you know, sporting events where, you know, the opposite sex gets involved and stuff like that. So the, the point uh, was just to define things so that the, there's no, there's no gray, that people know what we're supposed to do and how we're going to operate. Were there that many situations and incidents that were causing the board to actually have to spend the time and energy on this though? Well, so in terms of that specific issue, no, but that just, you know, when you look at what's happening nationally, yeah, I mean, that, that's coming. You know, we're going to have somebody who wants to participate in, you know, female athletics. And so to me, it's just go ahead and address it now so that we don't have to address it later. Just get policy. If we're going to do it, let's just knock it out, get it all in place, understand what we're doing and, you know, how we're going to operate in our independent school district. Were you surprised at the pushback last night? I, th- I think it blew away all the records of public speakers that you guys had before. No, I mean, we, we have a very contentious board. I mean, what has happened, we, we've, as a society, I think, uh, and even our community, we got lulled to sleep. And so people, you know, we, we've just been going with this, you know, flow and uh, you don't really think that anything's wrong. And, you know, parents don't really know what's going on in the classroom and, you know, but you really weren't having those discussions. And I think COVID was a big deal. I think COVID exposed a lot of things. I think parents started having their kids at home, started talking more about what they were seeing, uh, how things were going. Uh, and in our specific district, um, our grades have been declining. They've been declining for a, a long period of time. So what I personally witnessed, what I per- personally experienced was a decline in the educational system. And so at some point, in our affluent area, in our area where people demand uh, more, why was that being that? Why was that acceptable? So, and on the outside looking in, were, was the decline in grades because of some of this stuff? You think? I, I absolutely think it's because of this stuff. I think when you change the focus off of the educational system and what you're actually there to do, when you start, everything becomes about social issues. Uh, I think it's a distraction. I think it's hard enough to be. Uh, a, a kid today when now we have to decide what gender we are, what career we're going to have. I mean, it, it's, it's so much pressure for kids. It's just insane. A, a committee put this policy together. I think it started relatively small compared to what it ended up as is 36 pages outside of the board though. Who did the committee take input from? So our, our, we followed the process that our school has. When we went to su- the superintendent, we asked him, you know, how, how does one do this? You know, because really nobody's ever done this before, honestly. Like school boards aren't, we're not policymakers, right? No, you enact policy, but what we all do is we sit around and wait on somebody else to come save you. We wait on the TEA or TASB or, or, or somebody else 
that, that's going to tell you how to save yourself. Um, and so the way that I viewed it was let's create policy that we fix it in our area. Let's define what we are and who we want to be and how we want to operate. So we asked him, how do you do this process? And he said, put some things down on paper and start there. So that's kind of where, where we started. We brought a draft that kind of got publicized and, and, a, you know, and, and that's where the politics of this thing comes in because there's a lot of external forces uh, going on in these schools and on school boards that, that are farther than what meets the eye. Externally, though, outside of the board and the draft that you guys created, who else offered input to you all? Community. Um, you know, we, we just had people inputting. So, so when I ran, for example, uh, I kind of did my own internal polling. That's what I call it. Right. When, when I was at people, the number one thing that people were concerned about was critical race theory. Number one. Uh, not grades, not the educational system, critical race theory. Uh, number two was who controls your, the health of your child. And then number three was actually the quality of the education. So when you started seeing that people were concerned about the content uh, that was being taught in, in our schools. But just to make sure I'm clear on this, because this has kind of become an issue, there, there are people who are wondering whether the, the committee of the board that physically put this, that drafted this 36-page policy that, that passed on Monday night, there's concern that there was other outside folks who were oh. offering input to well, that. Well, so first of all, the, the 36 pages, the TEA, uh, our, our thing was eight pages. Our, and, and it was all over the map. It was just, you know, blurbs of things that you want to try to, it, it, and we put a name on it. It really wasn't a very good name. Uh, that really wasn't the point of it. We didn't realize that, you know, the draft was going to be the uh, thing that was scrutinized. <laughs> So, um, but, you know, so that 36 pages is what I'm trying to say. The TEA, it, it's, they're the ones that provided all of the book resources and all of that stuff. So that, that's really, that got incorporated. And that filled out the 36 pages? Mm-hmm. Besides the TEA, besides the board, was there any other attorney, organization, group that, that, that said, hey, try this language? Uh, include this in your draft, see, uh, you know, float this, see how this goes. No. I mean, if you're talking about like a, a collaborative thing that, that was that intentional, no. No one else contributed ideas no. to it. Okay. Um, I, I asked Dr. Rankley a, a similar question. I want to ask you about this too. Um, well, actually, let me, I'm going to move that one down here since we're still on, on this subject here. At, at Monday's meeting, the community got 72 hours to digest this, which is what one of your fellow trustees mentioned. Uh, I, I watched the meeting online. People got 60 seconds to speak. Most adhered to that. But why not hold a more vigorous debate on this 36-page policy? Well, you know, it's interesting because I've been on this board for a year and three months. And in that year and three months, uh, we have passed, I believe, um, I can find out this information, but I mean, we, we passed a lot of policy. We adopted a lot of different policy, different language. And what's interesting about that, nobody ever asked any of these questions. Who orchestrated it? Where did it come from? How did it get there? How many people contributed? Uh, it just shows up and everybody votes. So again, the way that our, our school district handles this stuff is that uh, policy comes in, they have you know, we operated under that. They, the, the district is who sets the, uh, the, 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 the internal committee, I'm going to call it that. So they're the ones that pick that. And then we had an ad hoc committee. Uh, so, I mean, we did it the way that you would do it. So who, who had input? Uh, the community. The community, when they just voted in May, uh, we picked up two new seats. Uh, those two new seats uh, gave us the majority. And that's what the people want. So they, the people spoke in May. But as far as to, to, to press this again for Monday night's meeting, why not have a more vigorous debate if there are, are almost 200 people showing up to talk for and against this thing? Well, so again, what we just passed was the law. It's already the law. So again, anybody who just voted against that just voted against the law. That's actually the problem. And, and well, let me ask about that. If it's already the law, why not let the law stand? Why, why, exactly. why, why, why did the board even have to exactly. take action? Because we're not following it. That's why. So 
So when you have teachers that decide... But, but who's, who's, who's breaking the law at your district? Well, you've got people that teach what they want to teach, do what they want to do, promote what they want to promote. Because, uh, you know, if you uncover anything, it's not happening. It's not here. We're not doing that. Oh, only 10 people saw it. Oh, that was just 50. So again, it, it, it's this idea that nothing to see here, don't worry about it. So, you know, there is something to see, and that's what we're tackling. It, make, to make sure I'm clear on that, if there are people who are breaking the law in the district, why not report them to the TEA or to a law enforcement organization, as opposed to taking all the heat that you guys took to even pass this policy? Well, again, I, I think that's part of, you know, when you ask, when you show, even when you show proof, they say this doesn't exist. It's not here not happening so you know i i don't know um you know uh, i i've been it, I, people ask me all the time how's it going and i say you know it, it's like um i i relate it to uh convincing an alcoholic that they have a drinking problem that that's what i feel like my job is every day i i'm convincing them that th i have to prove everything and you're talking about the, the teachers and the parents? Uh, I'm teachers, talking about, uh, well, I deal with the administration. So the superintendent is who I manage. Right. So that's who I go through. Um, and so, you know, it's a lot of that. A lot of that. At, at the meeting, um, you said, quote, the policy protects every student. I believe you, you actually read a quick statement on that. But we heard, and I know you heard too, um, Shannon, there were a majority of constituents speaking against that. Why do you think there was so much pushback from parents and from teachers? Well, first of all, I don't think that there was pushback on, on, from the teachers. I, I've gotten a ton of positive comments from teachers, people that said, thank you for giving us a lane. Uh, teachers don't feel comfortable with teaching about Christopher Columbus. They don't feel comfortable about teaching about Thanksgiving. Why? Because we have literally uh, become so politically correct in so many different things that you know, telling the truth anymore isn't acceptable what teachers don't feel what don't they feel comfortable about with christopher columbus um they we can't be superior we have we're an oppressor we become you know like america we're bad we're, we've done all of these things that are, are incorrect and taken and stolen and pillaged and you know whatever so it's that idea so that's where this whole um civics conversation comes in because we, we literally start indoctrinating kids to hate the country that that you're from you mentioned crt a moment ago the, the board also passed limits on crt uh, critical race theory for anyone who might not know what in the world that that is after all this time uh but but shannon you know the legislature's already passed two laws banning this right uh, uh, again wh why would the board need to adopt something that's already illegal in the state was was someone breaking the law and teaching CRT in the schools? Well, so we were having trainings. Uh, we, we had it on our website. Uh, we have microaggression policies uh, regarding how you uh, handle students. So we, we do have evidence of that. Uh, yeah, the, the, was it every single teacher in our district? No, it wasn't. But uh, there is evidence that, that that's occurring. So the, the law honestly doesn't go far enough uh, with the state of Texas. I mean, so again, let, let's close the loopholes because where those loopholes are coming in are third, third party vendors. So that's what we kind of started realizing that, you know, you, you have your teaks and you have the things that you're doing with education, but then you bring in somebody else and they can now promote ideology or promote um, social issues or whatever it is that they want to do. Well, like Scholastic Book Fair or, or who are third Scholastic party vendors? Scholastic Book Fair, uh, that some issues came about um we had uh, a couple of kids go to the book fairs come home they'd bought very innocent books yeah. and when they got home the the uh, material was inappropriate so the school board wasn't actually a part of that decision i mean we really didn't have anything to do with that um so uh you know we we've gotten a new vendor but the problem is because of tea's new book policy and how they're going to be doing this stuff uh, Scholastic didn't really, they, they weren't willing to comply. So the district's now going to be held responsible for the content uh, that's coming in. So, you know, they, they, they want 
Scholastic to do their part so that it lessens the work, you know, basically on our end. So um, I think that, you know, take our money where, you know, take it somewhere else and our dollar is big. And and, and you said Scholastic wouldn't comply. Scholastic wouldn't give the district a book, a list of books in two weeks ahead of time yeah. to say this is what we're going to be right. offering to the students. Is that right? Right. right. Um, considering the Internet, considering tablets, mobile phones. How many kids are actually going to the library anymore and actually checking out books? I, I mean, I don't really know the answer to that question. Uh, you know, the I, I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, you know, the, our problem with books is that the the parents that were coming to our school meet board meetings, it was required reading. So that's where our issues became, is that parents were being censored inside of meetings uh, based on uh, they, they couldn't even read content to a, a group of adults. That's how bad it was. So our stuff was AP literature and, and things right. like that. So we were addressing more of the academic stuff. Your platform on your website, which I looked at, says, quote, I can bring people together and that is paramount to solving problems. We saw how divisive that Monday meeting was. Does that bring people together, Shannon? Well, you know, it doesn't actually, but you know, this, it, we, we have a pretty interesting dynamic. It, our, our board is very unhealthy. And that is one of the things that I have worked uh, uh, to try to fix. And, and it's one of those things that's going to take time. Uh, getting the majority is going to be helpful. Uh, but, you know, when you're, when you have, when you elect people that have motives that are outside of what's best for the district, so it's personal gain, for example, so if you have someone that sits on a board for 19 years, 17 years, 14 years, yeah. uh, that's a long time. And so you become complacent. So you become just rubber stampers about everything that happens. And, you know, unfortunately, you're going to have to have a critical eye. And again, parents have woken up and they've decided I I've had enough. Uh, I, I expect more for my dollar. I want my tax dollars to be used appropriately. And so uh, that that issue is, is what has started the unrest. And so it's a difference of opinion. And um, just to make sure I'm clear, because you, you, the board meeting went late Monday night. I'm sure you didn't sleep very much after getting home so late, but you've, you've heard so much from both sides. If this stuff was already state law, why not just let the state handle this thing and, and, and remove you guys from it? Was that much bad stuff happening at Grateville Collegeville ISD? Um, I think it's, it's, it's a cultural thing. I think as a country, we have accepted so much. We, we have got to neutralize the buildings. So one of the things I hear all the time is, oh, I mean, y'all politicize this. No, we haven't. Uh, it's always been political. We're just pushing back. So now we're going to get this thing neutral. So you don't have kids coming out of schools conservative. That, that's not what's happening. They, they come out. Uh, with leftist ideology, where does that come from? They're not getting that stuff in their in their bedroom, sitting in there by themselves. So again, this is where moms and dads have had enough. They, they want to have let, let's get this thing cleaned up. Let's focus on what we need to focus on. And when you say neutral, what, what do you mean by that? Neutral, like yeah. that you're going to tell the whole story. Uh, last night we heard some comments on the other side that you know we don't want to tell history. I was thinking about my, because I, 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 I call it PGA after, after a meeting, it's post-game assessment. So, you know, like we would have that with all of my right. kids' sports and all that stuff. And so, you know, I, I rehashed the meetings and I rehashed stuff that I heard and stuff like that. And when, it, you know, people were talking about rewriting history and I was thinking about my own personal educational upbringing. And if you think about, we learned about slavery. Kids learn about slavery today. This idea that somehow we're not teaching uh, our history and from that viewpoint, we have made everything about race. And, and again, you know, that's where critical race theory comes in, is that you're, gonna, you're going to literally uh, have a racist ideology and, and discriminate and, and separate people based on race, gender. Uh, the whole idea of neutralizing is you take that, we have more in common than we do differences, actually. So that's one of the things. Let, let's be Let's be Americans. Let's, let's be, you know, whatever school we go to. Let, let's be that we're, we're friends. I mean, that's why you don't have to talk about all the sexual 
uh, issues. I mean, if you can't have um, uh, education without sexual content, I mean, that's so, so you mean to tell me that that goes hand in hand? That's insane. So, um, you know, we've got to just get school back to what it's supposed to be. A couple last questions here for you, too. One supporter on Monday night said that um, a supporter of yours uh, said that essentially she's heard from 15 or 16 different uh, school districts waiting to enact the same thing. Have you heard from any other school boards that, that are hoping to model no. future policy? No, I, I haven't. I do think we are setting, we are giving people the roadmap on what to do because how you're going to do this is through the law, basically. You're going to do it through your board policy. You're going to do it through, uh, because even to answer your question and go to a little bit further on um, the idea of uh, enacting policy that's already law, because you know that does sound crazy. But did you know that when we were doing this policy, people didn't know that that was the law? Parents or, or teachers? People on or our committee did not people know. People on the board committee? Yes. So, again, that makes you scratch your head. <laughs> so, again, you know, it's like you, you, you go to another piece of this. And so it, the layers are deep. I mean, it, it, the layers are very, very deep. Last week, State Rep. Uh, Matt Krause, a Republican from Fort Worth, he told us that he thinks that the legislature is likely going to set some kind of guidelines or parameters for how school districts select books in the future. Do you think the legislature should weigh into this fight? Um, you know, I think it's helpful if you can set guidelines and stuff, but I really do think things come down to local uh, control. I mean, again, I, I wrote an op-ed last week about, uh, you know, independent school districts and what does that mean? Yeah. And, and when you're, you're independent school district, so in our area, we're, we're a conservative area. And so, again, you know, in Colleyville, we're 70-30 and, and Grapevine, we're 60-40. So when you talk about the pushback, yeah, the left is going to push back. Uh, but again, we're in the majority. So, again, our, our ideas and thoughts and should represent um, our district. So somewhere else, they, they might have different right. thoughts. Elections have consequences is what I tell people from both sides all the time. So that's why it's important to, to vote for anything. Um, the state legislature next year is going to consider school vouchers again. You support or oppose that? Um, I, I like competition. I think competition is good. I think competition makes us better. Uh, I've never really thought about vouchers that much. I, you know, I, my son, um, uh, we're public school. I was publicly, you know, public education yeah. was how I was raised. My husband, the same. Uh, my daughter, my son, we went to private school for high school. Uh, I saw a difference. And, and that was something that was interesting. That when you made education about education and you took all the social issues away, it was unbelievable. I literally got my eyes opened. That's kind of what I bring to the table with, with this board because I can offer, because this is my area. I, I love our district. Uh, I love our community. But what I learned there is that, again, when you separate and take out all the noise and just focus and kids can just play and do their sports and have their friends and, you know, and not have all these other outside external uh, forces, your stress level goes down, uh, your quality of life improves. And I, I think that that's imperative that we get back to educating kids in public school. What else haven't we asked you you'd like to add or point out? What, what don't people get about this from your point of view? Um, it's a battle. I mean, we, this, is, this is a war for ideas right now. And again, as, as a country, we see that, that people, as we've gone along, we have just accepted so much. And the left is pushed and pushed and pushed. And People are going to stand up. We're going to have to get up. Uh, no one's going to give us our country back. No one's going to give us our cities and our schools back. You're going to have to go get it. And uh, that means you're going to have to stand up. You're going to have to be fearless. You're going to have to speak your mind. And you're going to have to do what's right for everybody. And that's what's one of the things that's interesting is that um, I, I get this thrown at me all the time. Like, you know, we're uh, for all children. Well, really, the left is only about a small few. 
So when you're doing what's in the best interest of all, so improving education, for example, that's going to benefit everybody. Neutralizing the buildings where both sides are presented, that, that's good for everybody. Everybody wins in that situation. There's no loser and winner in this scenario. Uh, the idea is we've got to improve uh, kids' quality of life so that they can go be successful, have options. That's the goal. Shannon, thank you. Thank you. All right, so that's Shannon Braun's perspective on this. And, mm-hmm. you know, it is a perspective we have not heard before. She has not spoken with anyone else. And I believe when she spoke the other night on Monday night at the Grapevine Colleyville ISD School Board, she read a very short statement, just three or four lines mm-hmm. is all she read. What's happening at Keller, though, is a whole nother thing indeed. This is the Anne Frank district. This is the Bible district. And it mm-hmm. has turned into, uh, into quite a mess. And, and you'll hear Dr. Rankleve in just a moment talk about how they've gotten some unfair coverage with this, he says, Jason. Yeah, there's been a lot of fighting about this, though. And, and they've certainly inflamed a lot of passions there in the district with what they've decided to do as far as these books coming off the shelf. Then they were reviewed. A lot of them were put back on the shelf again after they went through the formal review process there in the district. Then you had this new board come in and go, ah, you know what? No, that's not the way we're going to review the books now. So, okay, these books now come back off the shelves and now we're going to put it through our review process. So, again, it's really inflamed a lot of passions there. Uh, You know, the interesting thing is, you know, we had a reporter who went out there and and was uh, doing the story on this the other night, Jason. And they quoted one of the school board members there saying, you know, basically looking at the parameters now uh, that a book has to fit to be able to be uh, able to stay on a library shelf in the school. Uh, They said, you know, educators, I've been talking to them and they're telling me that, you know, up to like two thirds of the books that are there would have to come off the shelves. That's just it's kind of a staggering thing. You don't know if there's a little bit of hyperbole in there. But again, it just kind of highlights, you know, what we're talking about as to how far reaching, uh, you know, some of these parameters are when they talk about, you know, changing the way they decide this. Yeah. And, and you know what, Dr. Rankleve, which we're about to uh, play his interview here, he, he, I asked him, too, about which there are 41 books that came off uh, last week. And will all 41 go back? He said not all 41 are going to go back. Which titles will not go back? That's part of the interview. Take a listen. Dr. Rankley, thanks for the time. We appreciate that. Um, at the board meeting, you began by saying that Keller ISD is not getting fair coverage on this. W- what exactly was being misrepresented? So I want to be very clear. Uh, Keller ISD is not banning the Bible and it's not banning Anne Frank. And I think what I mean by that is the coverage on those two particular topics were disingenuous from the start. And the district and the board went out of their way to address that, that claim. And we were abundantly clear that neither of those two titles were banned. We weren't banning any books. And the media continued to perpetuate that story even after being corrected. And those books have now been allowed back in the libraries. Is that right? So what has happened now is we have new policy in place. The the district, uh, through that new guidance, is evaluating those books and putting them back. And in fact, a couple of days ago, my understanding is uh, Anne Frank, and the Anne Frank, which was never pulled, but Anne Frank, the graphical adaptation, uh, was put back in. Same thing with the Bible. And we say the graphical adaptation, people hear graphic and they're thinking, you know, immediately it's explicit. The graphics in this are, are, are pictures, cartoonish Correct. type pictures is what they are. Correct. Those were some of 41 books that, that, were, that were under review, uh, my understanding is. Do you expect those remaining ones also, Dr. Rankley, will be returned back to the library? Uh, so, you know, that was, uh, that's a good question. So, um, you know, some of those books that are on that, that list of 41 is kind of the, the primer or the, 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 the reason for why we got here, right? So some of those books are pornographic, some of those books are sexually explicit, uh, and some of those books have led to basically the new policy that the board adopted in, in August. So to answer your question, uh, I suspect that under these new guidelines, which put students first, which protect students from sexually explicit activity, that some of those books uh, will not make their way back into school libraries. How, how many and which ones? Any idea? Uh, you know, again, I'd have to look at that list, but you know, I, I, I'm saying uh, probably at least 10 or 15 of those books. And you said pornographic as well. Was there pornography in Keller ISD libraries? Absolutely. So this whole process started with a book called Gender Queer. And Gender Queer is a graphical novel that is gratuitous, that is explicit, uh, that shows sexual activity. Um, and that's what started this, this kind of this whole conversation 
some of the books that we do have on that list of 41, um, those books um, have basically within their pages similar types of content. Now, it's not going to be graphic in a visual sense, but in a narrative form, it talks about gratuitous sex. And so as far as the books you think that are coming off the shelves permanently, Keller ISD, what are some of the titles that, that, that are at the top of your mind? Um, so, you know, a good one that we've talked about a lot are like All Boys Aren't Blue. So All Boys Aren't Blue has several passages in it where it, it talks about, you know, uh, graphic sexual activity uh, between two individuals. Uh, I suspect a book like that uh, will likely basically be considered a prohibitive item. Now, that again, that doesn't mean that parents can't basically have their children read that. It's just that that, that book is probably may not be available in our schools, but that doesn't mean that parents can't basically introduce that item in their own home, right? And just to talk about pornography for a moment, have any of these books been reported to the TEA, which is actively looking for pornography in school libraries across the state? Yeah, so uh, Genderqueer started this. So TEA investigated the school district, and it was an informal investigation to see whether or not uh, we were in compliance with Texas library standards. Right. Um, that investigation concluded uh, June of this year, and the findings were that the district basically needed to follow a corrective action plan. That correct corrective action plan uh, basically uh, required the district to adopt the TEA model policies, which we uh, adopted earlier this month. And those model policies are pro-parent, pro-student, uh, are pro-safety for our kids. Many complained at the meeting on Monday night that, uh, including one trustee as well, too, that neither the board nor the community really had a chance to thoroughly review these policies before the vote. Yeah, I, that's not true. So, I mean, the reality is um, in June, we got the letter. We started talking about draft policy uh, in June. We had several discussions about that. We introduced the content guidelines, which we voted on yesterday. Um, and those content guidelines are an exhibit. I'll be honest with you. In the history of the school board at Keller ISD, uh, they have never, ever basically uh, um, vetted or approved or discussed uh, content guidelines or exhibits that support policy the way that we did last night. So the idea that the community didn't have a chance to uh, uh, be involved or, or have lots of comment, that's untrue. And watching back at the meeting, I, I think I recollect you saying something to the fact that, that we'd have to make edits to this policy in the future. There might be amendments made to it in the future. Did, did I understand that correctly? Sure. Yeah. And so that's a good thing, right? So, um, you know, Keller ISD is is leading the kind of this effort to protect kids from sexually explicit activity. And so as part of that, you know, we're implementing new policy. From my understanding, we're the first school district to ad adopt the TEA model policy, both EFA and EFB. And, and so with that, right, comes basically uh, some changes and tweaks that might happen as we begin to implement this uh, in the coming weeks. Well, why not take the time, though, to, to, to find out what might need to be amended and, and, and flush it all out ahead of time? So we have, right? So like, you know, when we say about, you know, have, uh, have, 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 have the community had a chance yet to provide feedback, that has happened, right? So we've had staff, we've had teachers, we've had librarians, we've had community through basically our board meetings provide basically input. And so now at this time, it's time to implement that policy, right? And, and, and again, begin to allow our librarians to do the good work that they're doing. And they could have seen this, th th this policy? Oh, 100%. Uh, up until, I mean, as far back as June or how far uh, back? 100%, yeah. So like the TA, the TA model policy came back out in April of earlier this year. So this idea that this model policy hasn't been available, um, you know, I don't buy that. I, it's, been, it's been available. We've been discussing this now for months. Uh, we've been open and we've been transparent. And again, like I said before, like with that exhibit uh, that we voted on uh, yesterday, you know, we've bent over backwards to solicit input from our constituents. After these policies passed, what is physically going to change at Keller ISD? Well, I think the, the, the first thing is, um, you know, we have now basically prioritized our student safety. Um, we have given basically parents a seat at the educational table. Uh, that is that has changed, right? Like that's a big thing. I mean, I think that's lost in this story, right? Because we talk about things like um, opening up the challenge process, uh, making it available for the community and the public to see, recording it, uh, putting basically the the book list. And so as as we go through the procurement process and uh, our librarians go out to go and buy books, we're going to put that on the website so that our parents can basically see see, see what's being bought. Um, that's all new. That that's open. So when we talk about giving basically our parents uh, like their voice back. Um, that is changing. And folks are going to see that happen over the next couple of months. It's and, exciting. And, and the rubric that, that the, the board passed on, on Monday night, I mean, at the end of the day, there are some guidelines to go by, but it's still subjective, isn't it? Uh, I don't think it's subjective, right? So I, what I would say is the old policy was subjective. 
And that's how we got to this place, right? What I think the board did last night and what I think the board did earlier this month with new policy is be very clear about what the expectations are as it relates to uh, the board, but more importantly, trying to align our policy with state standards and community standards, which wasn't happening. Parents could already opt out of material for their child. And I think that's been set up for, for years and years. Why not just leave it at that? You know, so um, sure, uh, parents can, can opt out, right? But, but what do you do when you have a student that's in a classroom or a student that goes into a library? I mean, how are they gonna opt out? I mean, the parent's not there, right? And so, you know, this again, provides an opportunity for parents to have more engagement on the type of instructional materials that their child may be exposed to when they drop them off to school. But like, a, and to press that point, in a classroom, if a child could opt out of a conversation or if, if a teacher is teaching you know, X subject, a parent could still say, hey, listen, I don't want my child in there. They could go to a study hall or something, couldn't they? Uh, they, could, they could, right? Uh, but you know, again, I, I would go back to um, you know, some, of the, some of the content that had gone into these classroom libraries, into our, into our school libraries, um, you know, there was no screening. So the content that would have been in those classrooms like genderqueer or all boys aren't blue, I mean, how would a parent have known to opt out of that, right? They wouldn't have. That material would have been in that classroom uh, and that child could have picked that book up and then been exposed to sexually explicit content. Dr. Rankley, one parent told us, uh, this is her quote, we have so many different kids in our district, different races, different backgrounds, different family histories, different stories, different everything, she said. And she went on to say, these kids need to see themselves represented in literature. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Uh, I think it's, it's good that we have content that can basically reach all student groups. But what I would argue, and this is the argument that we've been trying to make, is um, I, I find it unconscionable that we would take a position as educators that somehow we would say that certain, certain student groups basically can only be reached through the lens of sexually explicit content. That's terrible. Last year, Keller ISD had a 59% increase and teacher retirements and resignations. You guys had the largest of, of any school district in North Texas. Are you concerned that these policies, might, or that this rubric that was passed on Monday night might alienate uh, teachers, might make it more challenging to fill those spots? Absolutely not. I mean, in fact, if you talk with our, our district staff, uh, you know, we're at 100% basically employment. Um, I would say that again, you know, we had the opportunity to engage teachers and librarians um, I've received really great feedback from our staff about, about these policies, uh, and so I, I don't think so. I think what we've done is we've provided clarity, right? And that's what our, our staff are wanting, is, is clarity on policies moving forward so that they can move on to the good work that they do for our kids. Dr. Rankley, what's your reaction to former educators, to gay high schoolers, to people we heard speak at the Monday meeting who say the new policy is censor censorship and oppression? Yeah, that's absolutely wrong. I mean, so uh, if, if, uh, if, if you recall from our board meeting, uh, you know, the district council was there. We were asked, you know, do these guidelines basically marginalize any groups? The answer to that was no. Do you expect any legal action? No, not at, all. no not, not at all. all. Again, uh, you know, these policies are rooted in the TEA model policy that was put out back in April. C considering the internet, considering tablets, considering mobile phones, and, and all that students are exposed to today, how many kids are actually going to the library anymore and actually checking out books and, and are getting exposed? different things inside the library. Again, you know, I, I go back to this. I mean, at the end of the day, our schools are, are, are to educate our kids, right? Uh, they're not to expose them to sexually explicit material. Uh, if, if parents basically don't want to have filters on their phones or allow their kids to basically get in this type of content, that, that's up to the parent, right? But, but we're not going to do that in our schools. You guys just finished this up, crossed this, this hurdle here. I'm, I'm sure you're, you're glad that this part is behind you at least. Uh, but what else would you like to see done? with the, uh, the, the turnover that the board had earlier this year. Uh, can, can you be more specific? Yeah, is the board looking at anything else besides this rubric that it'd like to, it would like to pursue in the future? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, um, you know one of, so safety and security is a big thing for this school board. Uh, you know, we've had some really good discussions with our municipal and city partners about enhancing safety and security, both within Keller and Fort Worth. And so I think that's going to be the next big thing that, that Keller ISD and the school board move on to. Like hardening campuses or, or what do you mean? Oh, yeah, hardening campuses, increasing the number of uh, uh, school resource officers. So that's, that's kind of our next big discussion that I see in the future. Last week, we had State Representative Matt Krause from Fort Worth on the program. Um, he said that he thinks the legislature will likely set guidelines or parameters for how school districts review public library books uh, in the future. Should lawmakers do that? Yeah, I think any, any sort of help that they can, they can provide uh, local ISDs is a good thing. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, a local independent school district is nice. Again, it gives the, the community has an opportunity to guide 
policies and procedures. But I think if if there's a backstop or support that lawmakers can provide, we certainly welcome it. The the legislature, though, as you probably know, has had a history of chipping away at local control. Do you think that your control might be in jeopardy if they do this? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I so you know that's a good question. So one of the you know big questions that came up during this this you know the book debate was you know how do you define pervasively vulgar, right? And I think you know we have rooted our policies in like the obscenity clause and stuff like that. But I think there are some other things that the state legislature could do to kind of shore that up. The state legislature next year is going to again consider school vouchers. You support or oppose that? Um, you know, I, I'm a I'm a I'm a public school guy, right? So uh, I you know I, I work and teach in higher ed. Um, I went K through 12 and 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 you know in public school. And so for me, I, I'm very pro basically public education. I'm a product of public education. My kids are in public education. Uh, I think that you know what we should be doing is spending our, our time and effort uh, trying to basically fix things like we're doing right now. And that's where my my interests and focuses are. Not to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like opposition to it. Am I would I say opposition. It's just, again, I, you know, I'm committed. I, I, you know, I, I decided to run for school board because I'm deeply committed to the public education process. I think it's important, and, I, and that's where my focus is. Have you heard from other school board members elsewhere in the state, elsewhere in North Texas, who want to copy what Keller ISD did? Uh, yeah, so there have been. So there have been some school districts that have, have reached out. I'm certainly, you know, I don't want to put them on the spot. Uh, and so, like I had said before, publicly, I think this is a good thing that we did because it will serve as an example. Uh, hopefully for other school districts. Is there an ultimate end goal to all this? Uh, so what do you mean by, so like end goal, absolutely, right? We want to continue to give parents a seat at the education table. And so uh, that is an end goal. I think, you know, protecting kids from sexually explicit material, that's, that is an end goal. And so, you know, we'll continue to work on policies uh, that hopefully achieve both. Dr. Rankley, anything else we haven't asked you you'd like to add or point out? No, not, not, I appreciate the time. And again, just for your audience, uh, Keller ISD is not banning the Bible or Anne Frank. Are, are you concerned, though, that I mean, these challenge committees still exist? Are you concerned that, that you know, this thing could get dragged out and, and there could be tit for tat with like we saw with Anne Frank in the Bible? Uh, not at all. I, you know, I think our, you know, our, our new challenge process or committees, like I said before, they're uh, open to the public. They're recorded. And with these new content guidelines, we've set some expectations that are community driven. And so I, I don't I don't see that at all. Dr. Rankley, thank you for the time. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, you know, Jason, that, that's Dr. Rankley's position. We just heard from uh, the vice president at Grapevine Colleyville, um, Shannon Braun, too. These are these are points of view that a lot of folks share. And, and you can you can absolutely say a lot of folks share that because conservative majorities have been elected to both of these school boards. And when, when I asked Shannon Braun, you heard in that interview there, she said that the people spoke back in May when they elected a conservative majority. That's when the people spoke not the 200 or so people that came out to speak on Monday night. The people have already spoken when they cast their ballots. And I'll say this, she, she, she's right about that. Elections have consequences, Jason. Mm-hmm. And, well, and also, I mean, and we know that there is uh, you know, broad support even beyond that because uh, these folks are already being contacted by people in other districts, in other places saying, hey, can you send us that template for what you used and how you did this because we're interested in doing the same thing where we are. Yeah, one of the, the speakers who was speaking in support of this at Grapevine Colleyville, she sounded like an organizer uh, on the right, and she told the, the majority conservatives there on the board, there are 15 different school districts, I believe she said, that she's already heard from, waiting for Grapevine Colleyville and Keller ISD to do what they were going to do so these other districts could model their own policies after what's happened over here in Tarrant County at Keller and at Grapevine Colleyville. At the mm-hmm. end of the day... This is going to spread. Republicans have, have made this, have made school boards a priority. Tommy Hicks Jr. is the national co-chair of the Republican National Committee. The RNC, the big mm-hmm. RNC that takes, the, you know, that used to be involved in presidential debates, that, that, that runs congressional candidates, etc. He told us on this very podcast that they are going to start focusing on these school board races, mm-hmm. grassroots, build things up from the bottom. And they've already shown that they can do that in, in Keller and in Colleyville Grapevine. So the question is, do Democrats and liberal PACs, are they going to step up and, and do battle at the very hyper local level like that? Right. Are we going to see a lot of these school board races become big money races, which they have never been before? Never. Uh, and and, and that's an, another interesting ball of wax just in itself. You know, the thought that big money uh, moves into, you know, these local little school board races. Uh, that'll be an interesting thing to see in the future as well. Uh, but that mom we had on from Keller last week, Keller ISD, 
she put it out there and she said, hey, if you think that, you know, this doesn't affect you, this doesn't affect your district, this isn't something you're going to have to deal with at your school board meeting, give it a little bit of time. I guarantee you it's coming to where you live as well. And she blamed voters. She blamed, you know, parents out there for not being involved enough and not studying these candidates enough uh, with school boards and not just, you know, where she is or, you know, nearby, but uh, all over, you know, she says it's time for people to get plugged in and get involved and know what's going on and know who's on the board and who wants to be on the board and to make your voice heard uh, because otherwise, you know, you're going to be sleeping while a lot of policy is being made. Now, maybe it may be policy that you agree with, but maybe it's not. Yeah, indeed. So at, at the end of the day, Democrats and Republicans, conservatives and liberals all agree school boards are now the latest front in the culture wars. That's mm -hmm. where things are right now. We're going to see what the legislature does when they reconvene in, um, in January. But State Rep. Matt Krause, a Republican, an outgoing Republican from Fort Worth, who's uh, the chairman of the General Investigating Committee, who sent that letter out to school districts asking whether districts had any of 850 titles on their shelves. He's the one who he's the one who said that, you know, the legislature is likely going to be taking up some form or fashion how schools, public school districts select library books. Hmm. At the end of the day, Wheeler, I'll tell you this, and, and I'm probably revealing too much. And I hope none of my teachers are listening to this episode, but I didn't go to the library a lot to check out <laughs> books when I was in high school. You know, I was doing other things. No, I, you I probably were in the library all the time, but I, I, I don't know how much. And, and I asked, I am. yeah, right, you. But I, I, I asked both. You know, you heard uh, Shannon Braun and, and Charles Rancleave. I asked them both, how many people actually go check out books? And that's a stat that neither of them really had. I just wonder how many people are really exposed to this stuff. Hmm. Well, uh, everybody's interested in the library now, uh, just because of what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, you know, we want to thank you for joining us for this special uh, episode of Yolitics. We drop these at least once a week. Uh, so subscribe while you're here so that you can get all of them. And, and, and especially this next one. Uh, I'm excited about it because, you know, we're going to leave behind all these fights at the school board, all these crowded rooms where everybody's angry. Uh, and we're going to go all the way to the moon. And I really do wish I could catch a ride on this rocket, uh, Jason, because... Uh, we're getting back into business again with going uh, on these lunar expeditions. Uh, the Johnson Space Center in Houston is going to be a big part of this as well. Uh, so we're really excited about this next one. It's going to be interesting. It's, it's the Orion capsule. I'll only say that because people have probably seen it in the news. And a few years ago, I went down to the Johnson Space Center in Houston, and they actually let me get inside the capsule. Yeah. I was watching the clip back from 2018 on, on the way back to the, to the uh, station here, and I was like, God, man, I, I, was, I was so much fatter in those pictures because the way they were shooting, it's this tiny capsule. They were shooting it like from my, my stomach up. I'm like, are you kidding me? So there's have, no good angle for a oh selfie my inside gosh. that thing. Yeah. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. So anyways. <laughs> I'd still uh, be willing to go on the ride at this point, but yeah, uh, we hope no that pictures. you'll join us for that one. It's going to be a goodie. <laughs> no pictures at all. Thanks so much for downloading this special episode of, uh, of, of Yolitics as well, and we can't wait to uh, see you again next week.